0: Hello and welcome into this edition of Your Favorite Football Podcast. I'm your host, Raceland. Alongside me tonight is James. James, we are going to dive right in. Uh, Not a whole lot of news coming out uh, in um, the the world of football this week. So I I figured we'd just go ahead and dive right in and and talk about some of the games, both college and NFL, that happened this past weekend. So uh, let's start off in college. Um, What were some of the – I mean, there were a lot of surprises, this week, but what was the biggest surprise to you coming out of Saturday?
1: I think one of the biggest surprises for me was the uh, pretender in Texas A&M getting beat at home by Appalachian State. Um, they were number six in the country at the time, and Appalachian State led the time of possession. I think they had like 42 minutes per possession, um, 40, 42 minutes of time of possession, and then really they dominated yes. Texas uh-huh. A&M, right? I mean, the scoreboard doesn't say domination, but I mean, if you watch the game in the trenches, they were just moving the ball whenever they wanted to. Um, and this was supposed to be a year where Texas A&M was really supposed to show they were a contender. Uh, you know, they, they had a lot of hubbub about, you know, the recruiting classes, Jimbo Fisher finally making the turn. They beat Alabama last season. And all of a sudden now it's it's starting to look like a rebuild year rather than a reload and, and contend.
2: So that was a huge shock for me. Yeah. I mean, me too. I mean, you, you look at it and, and,
0: they have one of the highest paid head coaches in in the NCAA right now in football. Um, They had the best recruiting class going into the season. Now, I mean, obviously not all of those recruits are are starting, but I mean, there was still a lot of promise there for Texas A&M. Now we know the story, especially when it comes to App State. App State has a big history of big upsets. I mean, one of my favorite upsets of, of all time, I mean, it, 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 I think it's, it would be obvious at this point was when App State beat Michigan back in what 2002, I believe that was 2003, maybe.
2: Um, no, it was a little bit
0: later than that. Yeah, I thought it I mean, was I'm like oh five, oh six. It, it 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 may have been around that time. I, I I always get that get get the year wrong. Um, but I I mean, so I mean. I can't say I'm surprised. Uh, obviously, I am to an extent because, like we t- like we said, like we talked about. It, but I mean, it's supposed to be a year where Texas A&M is, is going to be a contender, and but then again, it's not because, again, App State has a history of these big upsets. So, I think for me, the the, the biggest upset or I mean, not an upset really. Well, it wasn't, but the fact that Texas hung around with Alabama all game, and I mean, let's To be honest, James, you and I talked about it a little earlier, Um, Quinn Ewers doesn't go down. Texas wins that game.
1: Yeah, and and to be fair, though, the backup quarterback was prepared, and he came in and played really well, but he ended up getting damped up a little bit uh, towards the end as well, but let's not bury the lead here. Let's talk about that game for a second. For one, terrible officiating. Um. You know, for one, if anything, any flag came out late in that game, it should have been a intentional grounding, which by rule would be a safety because he was in the end zone. Instead, you get a flag for a roughing the passer call, which then out of thin air gets tossed up. I misheard the official. First of all, you don't make the announcement until you know for sure what you heard, like because now it makes you look like you're backtracking, and it, it just yeah. it was not a good look. And I get it, look, officiating these games, man, they're tough, right? You have to look at everything. You're gonna get criticized for everything. I I I have a respect for the officials. However, that was a very bad look at a very pivotal point in the game, and then. If you want to go on the last drive where Bryce Young drives down the field take and takes the lead, they have a blatant holding call missed on that right end of uh well, the offensive right end. Um that was clear as day was prohibiting him from, you know, getting to the outside to stop Bryce Young. That was a pretty clear miss. Just however, I, I can't get behind the notion of the refs cost Texas. Here's why. Even after all that was said and done, if you don't get the kick blocked, then it's a different story. Yes. They blocked the kick, and that, that was the game changer. That was it. If you make the field goal, that's the difference in the game. So, yes, granted, not a good look for the officials. Um, it's it, And I can see how people are easily blaming the cause for the loss. However,
2: just make the kick. Just make. I mean, don't get the kickback. Then it is, the, and that's your difference. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: we'll, well, we can we'll talk about kickers here in a little bit when we get to the NFL because it was
2: huge this weekend.
0: But um, I was reading that the because people were upset that the intentional grounding was not called on Bryce Young. However, I read that um, it was that there was no intentional grounding because um granted yes there was no receiver in the area and Breshawn was still in the pocket however it hit one of the defensive linemen for Texas. At that point that is a a quote unquote uh pass a a a, a legal pass because it hit a Texas defender. Do I agree with that? No. Is it true? Probably, because then the de- because the defender could make a playoff. The, it, if if the, the the defensive lineman for Texas had picked it off and scored, it would have been a touchdown.
2: So, I, I I've got to disagree with the intentional grounding uh, argument. Just because
0: I mean, yes, it, it, it is a rule. I hate that rule. I think it's absurd. Um, But it's the rule
2: uh,
0: as it pertains to the holding call. Absolutely blatant, blatantly obvious, coming off of a corner blitz where um, Bryce Young ducked it. Man, if he would have made the second, it would have been game over. Texas would have won. And and then going back to Texas uh, last, last possession or the possession before their final one to end the game. Um, they were set up with a fourth and two in field goal range. Honestly, if I'm a coach, yeah you you wanna you wanna kick the field goal and put more points on the board, so they have to score a touchdown. But look, their offense had been driving. I would have gone for it. You may disagree with it uh, with me there as a head coach, but your offense is driving. Alabama's running out of timeouts. They had
2: one left at that point. They had one left, and. They decided to kick the field goal. Now, again, you may argue
0: with me. A lot of people may argue with me about it. Take the points when you can get them. Sure. But when that came up, when that, when they came up with fourth and two, once I saw it, I said fourth and two on the screen. I, I immediately thought, go for it. Keep the clock running. You get that two yards, first down, it's game over. Put the ball in your, in your quarterback's hands and your running back's uh, gut. Let them get that first down. If you get that first
1: down game's over. So I'm rewatching that uh the missed intentional grounding call and it did not touch a Texas player. Yes. It did not touch a Texas player.
0: Okay. I, I at least I, based I on the, that did,
1: based on the replay so. I'm watching and I've watched it two or three times, I don't see it touching a Texas player. Because the only player it could have hit
2: okay. was I the guy that. coming
1: in at the end where they try to throw the flag. But even then, I don't. The ball ended up in the. It, so if he was rolling out, the ball ended about middle of the end zone, like to the 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 side like towards the 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 boundary, but in the middle of the end zone. Yeah. So again, okay. I don't know how they're not calling that. And and if any, it, it should have been called, right? I think. And, and again, it's a bang bang play. But yes, to be and this I'll go back to this. Was it an awful call? Yes. Was it again? The reason people are probably say it's the difference in the game because two points Texas wins. But to me, this weekend raceland more than ever between the NFL and college side of things. Look, like, I get it. You don't want more replays in the game of football because it slows the game down. But. Yep. The intentional grounding should be a i like they got it like I don't know I, I kind of go back and forth on it because I don't want the game slowed down and I don't want everything reviewed because it gets annoying when the game stopped every play to get reviewed, but you have to make that call right so but i mean but no. but if you make the intentional grounding reviewable, then people say, why don't you make holding review it it's a domino effect. But you have to make that call right.
0: I agree. Now, ha, let let's say they had thrown the flag for um, intentional grounding. The the penalties would have offset because they called roughing the passer on the defense. The penalties would have offset. You get the you Bama the ball back back there at the one, the two, wherever. That's a brand new ball game. That's a brand new ball game. Alabama has a chance to then they've got new life, or Texas has new life. To go in and try and repeat exactly what they
2: did. I saw an argument um, for Alabama's sake on Twitter
0: about it uh, Saturday after the game, saying that if you if you want to call that intentional grounding, then we have to start calling uh, every time the, the quarterback spikes the ball in intentional grounding because they're not outside the or because they're still inside the pocket and there's no there's no intended receiver.
1: Well, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Yes, but you could only spike the ball under center. There's rules against that. Yes. So I mean there's a little bit of yeah. difference there. I mean, you it I get it if you want to be that technical about it. However, when there's a difference between running outside the pocket and 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 then going under center quick spiking spiking the ball. There's a difference yeah. between Trying to
0: stop the yeah, clock, I,
1: then rolling out, trying to try and prevent a loss. There's a huge difference there in, a, in
0: the ball game. No, absolutely there is. I mean, the the, the guy who who tweeted that or, or or commented that he got absolutely blasted, um, basically calling him names that I'm not going to repeat on here. Um, unnecessary names
1: like it's not that big of a deal it's it's okay to banter back and forth about it but don't call guy names like social media dude's so annoying because the art of a conversation is without calling each other names and stuff like that it's ridiculous It's,
2: it's a lost art oh for sure it's a
0: lost art um all right so i want to move on to another Upset that happened uh, there, man. There were a lot of upsets in college football this week. Let me go back and look and see if I can't find I know I have it in one of my snap uh groups. Someone put it up there. Well, then um, you have Marshall beating Notre Dame was, on the road. All these teams
2: lost, but they had notable payouts. So, yeah, I mean, you have Notre Dame on the road. Are you still there? I mean, yeah, I'm here. So,
1: you have Marshall going to Notre (laughs) Dame. I I mean, the big one to me is Marshall and Notre Dame, too. I mean, look, first coach in Notre Dame history to lose their first three games as head coach. Yeah. Look, I said it to you on Saturday. I would not be surprised if Freeman's not the head coach
2: after this year. Because... I get it, man. Like, I'm not I'm not a big fan of firing... Park
1: I get that. But when you think of the Notre Dame program, right? You think of Prestige, and they want to get back to that so badly. Man, you just lost to Marshall at home.
0: And that's why it's hard for me to disagree with you on that. Because, I mean... You go back, you look at guys like Lou Holtz. I mean, he was there forever, what it seemed like. And one of the top ten greatest head coaches of all time. I mean, Notre Dame has a big history of winning. And you come out and you lose your first three games. Now, granted, last year, uh, his first game was a Pro Bowl. Or not a Pro Bowl, excuse me, but a bowl game. Um, So, I mean, I'm sure that was hard on the players to have Brian Kelly just up and leave, Um, and then him just being thrusted in. I'm sure that was difficult for them, so I'll give him a a pass for that. Um, Playing Ohio State last week, Ohio State, especially at the shoe at night, going to be a tough competition. This is where it starts to to crumble for him. This is where he has to start building his block, building his legacy and his house, you got to build that on solid ground. You can't build it on sand. And losing to Marshall this past weekend looks like he's starting off on sand.
1: Yeah, and and on so The reason I'm over, like, and, and again, this is back to the overreaction, right? However, look, yeah, I I sent you this on um Saturday, but this is what I'm looking at, right? They're 0 2. They have California at home this week. California's 2 and 0. I can't, without a yep. shadow of doubt, say they'll win that game. North Carolina, in two weeks, at Chapel Hill. Can't say they're going to win that game. Host BYU. They host BYU on the 8th of October, 7.30 kick. I, I don't feel confident about that. Stanford, who just put up 28 against USC, which USC is not a very good defense, but didn't get blown out by uh, USC. They have them after that. Then you have yeah. UNLV, which that should be a win. Syracuse, yeah. at Syracuse, which is a sneaky place to play
2: at times. Yes. Clemson. Navy. Law. Boston College. that be a win. Boston College. That'll be a toss up. And then USC. So that's a loss.
1: Three or four wins?
0: Like
2: that's I don't think that, I don't think I don't think that's like if well, you. And, and you you also got to take it into consideration now they're they're starting quarterbacks out like yeah, and that's the thing, man. Like, it, it, like like I said, I'm not for
1: firing coaches after one year, but man, like Notre Dame's going to lose their mind if you're a three or four win program. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I want to go into some of those um, notable pays for losses uh, this week, this past weekend. So in the game, Texas A&M, App State, App State beats Texas A&M 17-14. Texas A&M paid App State $1.5 million to play. Um, Nebraska losing to Georgia Southern, which we'll get into that here in a second. Uh, they Nebraska losing 45-42. They paid Georgia Southern 1.42 million. Uh, Notre Dame 26-21 lost to Marshall. They paid Marshall 1.25 million. Uh, gets a little bit uh, less after that, actually quite a bit less. Nevada lost to Incarnate Word uh, 55-41. They paid them 400,000. Uh, Utah State losing to Weber State. This was a big one. Uh, they lost thirty-five-seven. They paid Weber State thirty-nine thousand or uh, three hundred ninety thousand. Sorry, excuse me, 390, 390, to play them. And then Bowling Green played Eastern Kentucky. They lost fifty-nine fifty-seven. They paid uh, Bowling Green paid Eastern Kentucky three hundred fifty thousand dollars to play them. That's a lot of money. Yeah. That teams are paying other teams to come in and beat them. Usually, when you do that. You say, hey, you know, uh, Nebraska saying to Georgia Southern, hey, come play us. We'll pay you $1.42 million. Because there's there's a chance that, or there's a, at least at the time, you, we would think, a, a, a solid chance that
2: Nebraska would have beaten Georgia Southern. They didn't. You know, Notre Dame to beat Marshall? They didn't. Texas AM named to beat App State? They didn't. Uh, so... I want to talk about
0: the Nebraska-Georgia-Southern game. Maybe not necessarily the game, but the outcome of the game. Um, Nebraska, again, losing to Georgia-Southern 45-42. Seemed like it was on the horizon Uh, the next afternoon. It was afternoon for us here on the East Coast. uh, Nebraska uh, fired head coach Scott Frost. You and I talked about this a little bit when we previewed the Big Ten uh, a few weeks ago. Yeah, go ahead and check that episode out if you haven't. By the way, and uh, t- check out the other episodes too. Wire Rider, right? we 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 didn't get to finish um, reviewing and previewing. Uh, we didn't do what we we didn't do the Big Twelve and the Pac twelve, correct?
1: Yeah, we didn't get to do those things just because with everything going on and um, with the I mean, we, yeah, we had because a- we had the collab thing with um the Not Your Average Sports Fans podcast. Which if you haven't checked those out between. Any of the collabs we've done, I think we've done two now. Go check those out. Those are always those are always entertaining shows. Um, but with everything going on between my high school season starting back up, um, it's been—I mean, Racing, you know this because personally we're we're pretty close off the air, right? Uh, hectic, yes. <laughs> hectic um, in a good yes. way. It's fun. It's a fun hectic. But no, I mean, it. We 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 talked. I mean, honestly, race a lot of things we talked about last episode. I was thinking about this driving home today. And we talked about the overreactions, right? For, what, for example, right, we talked about the potential of the Scott Frost thing coming to an end pretty quick, and it did, after the loss of Georgia Southern. And, but the crazy thing about it is Georgia Southern, after that game, they fired Scott Frost. They had to pay him $15 million plus for a buyout. If, they if he would have survived till after October
2: 1st, they would have only had to give up $8 million. I mean, the question then would have been:
0: Could Nebraska really, ideally, would they want to keep him? And I think obviously the answer here would would be no, because they fired him. The, 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 I, I want to look up their, their 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 schedule for the next few weeks. Well, they, have, the-
2: they, have, they have Oklahoma this week.
0: Actually, yes, that that uh, I, I believe I have that in as our um, one of our pick'em games this week. Uh, so thing that is game um, probably, that game will probably that episode will probably come up like
1: Thursday. Yeah, I I usually try to get this past Thursday. I was a little late because I had to edit it and stuff. Um, That's however, fine. I solved the issue. But uh, yeah, it it will come out Thursday morning. Hope, knock on wood. But the the, the the buy them paying out that much money for the buyout signifies this. That was their message to the fan base, mm-hmm. and. To be fair, I don't blame him. No, I don't either. Look, for one, the buyout's great, right? I mean, it, it, Scott Frost gets a lot of money. Yeah. However, the thing that no one talks about is they're not dragging him on. They knew after – he knew after – I guarantee if if he was being honest, he knew that was probably it. Don't drag him on. Don't drag the kids on. You know, the the, the college players are still, you know – I call them kids because you know, but they don't let those young men have to deal with that drag through the year. Now, so, the, now they know, and the recruits know, and
2: yeah,
1: and you know what? I'm not gonna pick them to win. Spoiler alert! But I would be, I would not be surprised if they went out there and played their asses off this Saturday.
0: I'm mean, I, I'm not sure who they appointed as interim head coach, I'm going to assume probably the offensive or defensive coordinator. Um, and then it's going to be interesting to see who who they um, replace him with come next season. Uh, looking at their schedule, they do have Oklahoma this week at home. Um, they have a bye week the week after. And then October 1st, they play home against Indiana. So
2: they would have drugged the kids on, the players on, the fans on for uh, two more games, so I mean, they're five games in at that point. They're one and two. They
0: lost to Northwestern um, in week zero in Ireland, which a game they probably should have won. Let's be honest; it's just they got outplayed. Uh, they beat North Dakota. They beat an FCS team, fantastic, um, and then to lose to Georgia Southern. Losing to Georgia Southern definitely was the
2: the, the final straw because it's unheard of and shouldn't have happened. So the
1: um, interim head coach for Nebraska is Mickey Joseph. He was on the defensive side of the football. Um, But listen to this. I mean, this is a incredible stat line that no one, like, it seems like it's getting under the radar. Mickey Joseph, since he's the interim head coach for Nebraska, he is the, this is according to, um, this is a tweet from Amy Just, on like, this is an article I'm finding on Sporting News. But this person states that Mickey Joseph is the first black head coach in Nebraska history. Not just in football, though, in every sport in Nebraska. The first. Wow. wow. I hope he goes out there and tears it up, man. I do. I do too, man. I, hope. I do too.
2: I am now a Nebraska fan. I'm not a Nebraska fan, but I'm rooting for you. Yeah, so, I mean, again, Scott Frost getting fired. Ah, I don't – I don't know where he goes from here, to be honest with you. I don't.
0: Um. And again, like I said, it'll be interesting to see who they, they replace him with. I think that if 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 the interim doesn't do well, they need to go out and they need to try and find a guy who has quite a bit of head coaching experience. His resume is fantastic. Or at least decent at, decent at best to where he can bring Nebraska back, hopefully try and bring them back, to the prevalence that they had back in the eight or the the nineties and two uh, thousands.
2: That's because be I hard. think that's good.
0: I know it is. I know it is because Nebraska hasn't been good for for quite a while now. But I think it'll be good for the sport of football.
1: Well, I mean, if if, if you, I mean, we actually did an episode on that a long time ago. But you know, when you know college football is better when certain programs are good. Nebraska was on it. I mean, however, it's a totally different era of football now in college. And, it is. but that's the thing. It's the thing with Nebraska is now you have to find a head coach, but now there's so much unknown with the big 12 as a conference. There's so much uncertainty going forward with that, but they have to, they have to get a guy that's going to come. It has to be a splashy hire. That's going to be effective, you know, and I just don't know where you find that right now. Cause if you look at last year, you know, um, Lincoln Riley goes USC. Mario Cristobal comes to Miami. Look, a lot of the splashy guys are gone. And who, and so now you have to go find potentially a coordinator to come, a, a really good coordinator to come take this job. Because I don't – I mean, Raceland, who who leaves their Power 5 program to come join Nebraska? Gundy's not. Gundy's pretty – I think he's pretty
0: happy with Oklahoma State.
2: As long as he's winning,
0: Oklahoma State's going to be happy with
1: Venable's is not leaving. He just got there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean I'm not going to say it won't happen, but if he wants to, I'm sure. They, I I should say if they if they want to, because I'm sure he does. But if Nebraska would want him as a head coach, Ed Ogeron is available.
2: I don't think he'll go back to coaching. I don't think he will either. I don't think he will either. Um. But um, I, I think that their next move needs to be one that is going to turn the
0: franchise, that the school around, um, not only in or on the field, but also in the classroom. Because I mean, I'm, I'm not sure what Nebraska's uh, academic scores look like when, especially when it comes to their their um, football players, but to help the, the, the players as young men grow in the game of football, to play the game they love, especially since there's a great chance that maybe one or two players on that that entire roster right now won't make it to the NFL.
1: Yeah. I, again, I mean, we're going to wait to see how that story plays out because it, it is definitely an interesting story as well. But race, let's go to the NFL side of things. Um, look, what a crazy week one it was in the NFL. Um there's a lot of close games. Not really a ton of blowouts. I think there was only a couple games that were out of hand. But Rayson, let's what if we did overreactions for uh week 1 of the college football sleep, Let's let's do a little bit of the same with the NFL side of things. Um I mean, what are some overreactions in your mind that could be proved to be wrong uh, in the future?
0: Okay, so I have I've got a couple. I have got a couple. Um actually four to be exact. Man, you're um, exact tonight. Um I I'm, I'm putting 4
1: here. I'm holding you to it. You um, can't be saying four in the next 10 minutes later you're on number 7. I'm holding No, it to no, no. You. I, I'm being hold, now, I'm now. held accountable, Raceland.
0: Held accountable. So, I'm going for four. One
2: is um a game between um both or, uh, okay, let me, let, me, let me go back. Two of them played each other. Two of my
0: overactions played each other. The other two are in the NFC West, my division. Actually, three of them are in the West. So I'm going to start off with the game. Um, I think the Bears have a legit chance of getting out of the cellar in the NFC North. Totally based off what I saw this weekend, they played pretty well. Now, granted, They played in the absolute sloppiest of conditions in the rain. I mean, Justin Fields was was sliding like he was
2: on a slip and slide at one point. But you turn it around. They played it. San Francisco played in it. Equal playing field. The Bears have the potential to get
0: out of the cellar of the NFC North. And again, because of what Green Bay really isn't doing. They're not doing, Green Bay's not doing well, but I'm not touching Green Bay. Not yet, at least. Well, um,
1: keep in mind, Raceland, too, though, I man. I don't want to cut you off here, but okay. remember, remember this time last year, Green Bay got the brakes beat off of them against New Orleans, and everyone thought Jameis Winston was the real deal. Aaron Rodgers lost it. The Packers are going to be not a playoff team, and uh, they won 13 games.
0: No, no, I agree, but look at, look at what happened in the offseason. I mean, Green Bay lost their biggest weapon. Agreed. The, the, the reason that uh, – and I, that's why I'm not touching Green Bay just yet. Just yet. Um, because Minnesota didn't look all that great either this weekend. So, I mean – and, and, and they, they still have Detroit there. So, I think the Bears could, could claw and fight their way at least to second in that
2: division. On the flip side of the field, you look at the Niners. Trey Lance, not bad, not great. Okay, decent. It's going to be a rough season for the Niners. I I think the Niners
0: win six games this year, missed the playoffs. After having gone to the NFC Championship game last year, being just a few minor minutes away from making the Super Bowl again, I think they are one of the top-tiered teams to go from, worst, or from best to
2: worst this season. Uh, on the flip side of that, Seahawks looked solid. Geno Smith looked great. What,
0: five incompletions all game? Two touchdowns? Running game looked solid. Defense looked great. I think the Niners are fighting for an opportunity
2: to be second or first. Yes, I said first in that division. Because you you you
0: look at that division right now. That division has gone from easily one of the
2: best divisions in football to what looks like now it could be mid-tier. Well, I never thought I never at
0: one point at any point this season what I said the Seahawks are solely in first place of the NFC West. Because the Rams lost on Thursday night last week, the Cardinals lost to the Chiefs, and the Niners lost to the Bears. Now, for my last one, and then we'll, we, we can I'll move on to you. My fourth one: the Rams looked bad. The defense looked solid. The offense looked terrible. Matthew Stafford has got to throw the ball more to not just Cooper Cup. He's got, he, he has to realize he has a former all-pro receiver in Allen Robinson there, and he has to lean on him. He can't be just throwing it to Cooper Cup every time. He can't be throwing it to some some white guy with a Viking-type last name who has the what looks like the muscle capacity and bone density of a 10-year-old. He's got to realize that his off- that offense does not solely run through Cooper Cup. It has to run through him. He is the one. There, there are two players, and you know this. A lot of people know this. There are two players that get the ball in their hand, guaranteed every single play. That's the center and the quarterback. You, as the quarterback, you are the the guy who is directing traffic. If you're if you're just letting one one lane of cars go, and that lane be, that that lane of cars being Cooper Cup. Eventually, people are going to get fed up and they're just going to go off themselves. Matthew Stafford has got to realize that if he only targets Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup's going to start being defended by two guys. And then he's going to have to look around and say, oh, crap, where's Allen Robinson? I don't know.
2: Cam Akers also has to now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go kind of
0: off-topic here for a quick second. Uh, Sean McVay said that Cam Akers needs to maximize his opportunities when he gets the ball. I will agree with that. That's a,
2: that's a general idea. Yes, maximize it. k Akers got the ball three times at zero yards. Now, obviously, that's not
0: something you want to see. But I think what Sean McVay said does not make sense when you give him the ball three times. Are you expecting Cam Akers to have 60 yards every carry to maximize his opportunity to give him more carries? That's outrageous.
2: Five yards, averaging five yards per carry. That's pretty solid. That's great. That's two points for a first down. Back to my topic with the Rams. I will agree with what he said. He has got to maximize his opportunities. Because zero yards on three carries We'll get you nowhere but a seat on the bench.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can't be averaging zero yards on a carry. However, come on, three carries. <laughs> like, you, you got to give more than that. Sometimes it takes a dude to get going, man. Like, three carries as a running back is not enough to get going, especially the opening night of the season. And
0: gives the best defense in the NFL.
1: Yeah, I mean, and you got to keep in mind Cam Akers only played one game last year.
0: He's coming off of an injury, yes.
1: So I mean, it, But I mean, so are you going to say the same thing about Allen Robinson maximizing his opportunities?
0: Like that—that's—that's—that was my train of thought on it. It's. I
2: get if, it, man. If you like, don't give him the
1: ball, he can't produce. I mean, I get it, man. Like you know, you got to maximize your opportunities when you're in the game. Very generic, basic coaching principle, right? However, yep. why aren't you telling uh, Alan Robinson that he was in the game, got one catch for twelve yards? Why yep. aren't you telling, uh, you know, Tyler Higby five catches, thirty-nine yards on eleven targets? How about this, yeah. McVeigh? <laughs> everyone should be maximizing their opportunity because you know you lost by twenty-one on opening night at home. At yeah. night that's supposed to be celebratory, but you made the Buffalo Bills look like they're about to win the Super Bowl. Go seventeen and zero. Yeah, that's just my train of thought. But well, what do I know?
0: No, no. So, all right. What were what were some of your what what are your biggest hot takes?
1: Well, this one's I don't think it's much of a hot take, but the AFC South is by far the worst division in football.
0: I will admit I mean, that. Yeah, I
1: mean you. <laughs> Literally, Mason, this is the AFC South in a nutshell. We had two teams playing each other and not a team won. No. We're oh two and two. No. So with that being said, look, I, I think the Colts probably are the favorite to win that division. The um the the uh the the Titans didn't look very good to me against the Giants. Um Derrick Henry didn't look like the same guy, which he he's that guy. He's more of a mid to late season guy, anyway. Yep. Um. Everyone's re- overreacting about the Cardinals. They're going to be fine. They're missing their two top targets. Um. My other one is maybe the the day. <laughs> Look, I'm not falling in this trap. Um, because um, I've been burned by you know the, you know last week alone in the pickles, which I'll update people in the, that episode, but. Daniel Jones looked really good.
0: Saquon Barkley looked really good, and he didn't get hurt.
1: But, but that's just it, though. Saquon Barkley has the potential to be a really good running back in the NFL, but he has to stay on the field. That's yeah. the only knock on Saquon Barkley. Yeah. But you also got to have Daniel Jones and to produce. I mean, we have Daniel Jones throwing 188 yards you know, with 81% completions, two touchdowns, granted, not stellar numbers. But normally we're sitting here saying Daniel Jones is like 160, 60% completions, a couple picks, a couple fumbles, et cetera, et cetera. But the Giants might actually surprise some people, but the real hot take is this. You, re- you ready to hear this one? Yes. The Commanders will win that division.
0: Oh my god, that is a hot take. And the that reason
1: The reason I'm saying this is because not because the Jags jagged it up and lost that game. Whatever. I'm used to that. Been dealing with yep. that for 25 years. <laughs> but Ron Rivera, the way he approached Carson Wentz in that game. Carson Wentz had back-to-back interceptions. Yeah. The defense held their end of the bargain and made it to where they were still in the ball game. But Ron, it's very easy when you have back-to-back interceptions. What do you do? You get conservative on the offense. You hand the ball off. You don't throw the ball downfield. Ron Rivera said, screw that. We're going for it. And Carson Wentz made the throw off the back of his foot with guys in his face on a critical third down on the game game's pretty much game-winning drive and made the play. Not once, but twice. And that's how you... that That's different. He's I don't think I've seen that since Carson Wentz had his struggles. And people are forgetting. And people are forgetting. The Commanders are only two years removed from the playoffs with Taylor Heineke. So when they get Chase Young back, when they get Jonathan Allen... With Jonathan Allen... That team could be a team... to And especially with the Dak Prescott injury... Hey, man, I know it's a hot take,
0: but I don't think it's outrageous. But you also have to look at who's in that division, and, and the Eagles looked really great. The Eagles looked really good this week. Jalen Hurts could be the real deal, I, and, and I'll give him his props. I, was, I didn't think he would. He still might not be. It's week one. He's got, he's got a, a new weapon in A.J. Brown. He had a great game. He had a great game. But at this point now, like you said, deck press going down, being out now for, he's going to be out for quite a while.
2: At this point, I think that the the NFC East is the Eagles to lose. But I could see Washington giving them a strong run. Yeah, and and the Eagles didn't
1: look. I mean, the Eagles had to fight back from behind to beat Detroit, which Detroit might be a good team too. I, I'm not going to go on that hot take though, because the, the, yeah. the history of the Detroit Lions always says go against that. But man, I I just I just think we you know we, this whole pre- preseason we're like the the Commanders going to be bad. Carson Wentz is yeah. not a good quarterback, and the problem with Carson Wentz is when it matters the most, that's when we see the cracks in the armor, right? Yeah, but what if Ron Rivera is the coach that Carson Wentz needed? It very well could have been.
0: And it very well. I,
1: look, you know me. I'm not. You know, I'm not head over heels. You know about Carson Wentz, but Ron Rivera could have easily packed up and said, "We're going conservative. We're going to let the run game. We're going to dink and dunk." He said, "Screw that." He went like that. Is the sign of. You're going. We just got to work through this.
0: I saw, I saw something today that said Carson Wentz looking really great week one. Matt Ryan didn't look good at all in week one. If you look back, Philip Rivers didn't look great week one two years ago. Do we think that the quarterback is the issue, or is it Frank Reich? Is the offensive coordinator, and I'm starting to believe now that I mean because we've seen how great Matt Ryan at one point was, how great Philip Rivers was at one point, how great Carson Wentz was just a few years ago. We've we've seen all this. We've seen the potential, or and the the, pinch, the potential we saw in those guys. Obviously, Rivers and and Matt Ryan, they're they're up there. Philip Rivers is up there. Obviously, done now retired. Matt Ryan. He's on his way out here in the next year or two. Carson Wentz still has a lot of football left in him, and I think, like you said, I agree with what you said. Ron Rivera very well could be that coach that he needed—a defensive-minded head co- head coach.
2: Just relying on his quarterback, saying, "Here's the ball, kid. Make the plays." Carson Wentz goes out there and make the plays.
0: I think that when you give Carson Wentz the keys. To Mercedes,
2: he's taking it. He's going. And I think he very well could this year. I mean, time will tell, but, I mean, that's my – I mean,
1: look, like I said, man, my my, uh, predictions last week were not very good, but I just have a feeling, man, like it's a two-man race in that division now. And the Commanders and Eagles, and right now I'm going to trust that Commander's defense. And if yes. Carson Wentz can be what he was Week One, and it doesn't have to be every game. Yeah. But he had over, he almost yeah. had 400 yards passing. Yep. Now, nah, granted, yep. it was Jacksonville. Hate saying that, but it was Jacksonville. But the 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 last drive was like, man, this Ron, Rivera, I, Ron Rivera is such an underrated coach. Yes. But. Again, if he can turn the Commanders into a playoff team, a NFC East division winner, turn Carson Wentz into a guy that's a playoff winner, we really need to insert Ron Rivera as as a top five coach in the league because everyone written off Carson Wentz, including myself.
0: I have I had to and like again, like you said, a lot of people had, and and I'm not going to disagree with you about putting Ron Rivera as a top five coach. I'm not going to disagree with you.
1: But I mean, time will tell. So, I mean, that's that's the thing. Time will tell, which is a great thing about it, because we get to watch it.
2: Yeah. So I mean, there
0: were there were some other paths we could have gone down with with overreaction. Um, but it's just, and that's all it would have been was an overreaction. I mean, like you said, Cardinals losing to the Chiefs. I mean, the Chiefs are a Super Bowl favorite now every year with Patrick Mahomes as quarterback. Um. I Going into that game, I'm not surprised the Chiefs won. I picked the Chiefs to win last week, as we all did. Um, I didn't expect much out of that game. And to be honest with you, I'm not expecting much out of out of this week's game against uh, the Raiders. Raiders are a good team. Yes, they, they went, are. They, they went to the, down to the wire with the Chargers. Again, another Super Bowl favorite.
2: I didn't expect much out of this week for the Cardinals. I'm not expecting much next week either. Um I'm not going to over analyze Joe Burrow throwing four picks and three and one half. I'm not gonna over analyze it. Joe Burrow, great
0: quarterback, great young quarterback. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna over over analyze that.
2: Nice. Um and the Bengals are a good team. You know how
1: you know they're a good team? How? It's when you have that many turnovers and you're still in the position to win the ballgame. I mean that that's plain and simple. Um, good teams find a way to try to get out. Good teams find a way to stay in those ball games, and he and
2: they did that. Yes. As, he's not going to throw those many picks in every game. No, no. Um, I'm not going to overanalyze Baker Mayfield having an okay game. Um, I mean. Who knows what he's gonna be in
0: Carolina with the Panthers? We don't know. He went up against one of the one of the top five defenses in the league in Cleveland.
2: Uh, I mean back to back sacks for Miles Garrett in that game. Baker was sacked four times. Bobbled snaps, which I mean it is what it is it happens there there was a lot this week that happened that shocked a lot of people I
0: think one of the biggest ones was the fact that so many kickers missed game winners game tires, um game uh what would, would have sent them to overtime so many missed kicks this week
2: and I want, to, I want to target one specifically. The Colts and the Texans... Uh, Rodrigo Blankenship missed. Ship shot field goal.
0: Shanked it left. And as of this afternoon,
2: he was released by the Colts. Now there are only a select few guys in the NFL who I think, kicker-wise, uh, would not have been
0: cut or if that happened. And one of them plays in Cincinnati. A guy by the name of Evan McPherson.
2: Now, both of his, his his kicks at the end of the game, I'm not blaming on him. None of it. Obviously, Minka Fitzpatrick
0: blocking the one. Can't blame him for that one. The second one, if you go back and look, it was a bad snap. It was a high snap. The holder as a holder, you don't have a ton of time to get the snap and put the ball down and turn it to where the laces are away from where the the kicker is kicking the football. It, it, it may not seem like it, but if if the laces are on the side of the kick or on either the left or the right side, it it, it affects the tra- 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 trajectory, excuse me. It's the trajectory of the ball immensely. As the holder, you've got like two seconds to get the snap, put the ball down, and turn it correctly. The high snap didn't give the holder a a great great time frame to put it down and get it to where McPherson needed it to kick the winner, the game winner. So I'm not blaming McPherson. Boswell, same thing for for Pittsburgh, blanked it off the, the upright,
2: which, I mean, it happens. It happens. Yeah. It a, ha- a lot a lot of games this week, like you said, were decided by three points away.
1: I mean, that's why the three phases are so critical, right? We often overlook special teams, but those are just important, especially in these tight games. But right now, it's go- we're going to have to wrap this one up. I mean, it- again, we're going to see how these storylines play out. I mean, there's still six, 16 weeks left in the NFL. We still have about 10 weeks in the college football games. Um, we're going to see how the storylines play out. But one storyline you can also follow along is our predictions, which we'll be recording right after this, um, which will be dropping Thursday morning. See how good – well, I might going to wear the lead. See how bad I did. Um, that's not a reaction. <laughs> you can see how bad I did and much more in the, in the predictions episode. But until then, I am James, and that was race on And thank you for listening to your favorite football podcast.